Hello, hello. Hello, hello. This is Alvali Alcantara. And Diana Ray. Welcome, Welcome to, to our, our podcast. podcast. And we are so happy that you're here with us today. In this week's episode, we will be discussing parentification, what it means and ways it impacts children and how it shows up in adulthood. We will also end with a few questions for self-exploration. What is parentification? Parentification pretty much boils down to when a child is expected to take on a caregiver's role. And today we're going to be exploring that further and how that has shown up for us and in other aspects as well. Right. So when we talk about parentification and it meaning that a child has been giving a caregiving role within their family system, this can look like the child having to be responsible for taking care of younger siblings or the child having to be the mature one in mm-hmm. family dynamics. It can look like children that have to take care of themselves because parents are working, parents have to work. And so the children are being responsible to take care of each other. Sometimes it falls on the oldest child yeah. to be the the parentified caregiving child. And sometimes it can also even look like when a parent may be at home, but they may be suffering through mental health issues and may be unable or incapable of caring for their children or themselves. And then that child either having to take on that responsibility of either taking care of themselves, younger siblings, and also their their caregiver, their parent. Right. Mm -hmm. And so we're talking about this not to shame anyone and not to shame parents for being in these situations. That's not who we are at all. Mm -hmm. We're talking about it to bring attention to it and for people to be able to self-reflect and to perhaps put words to their experience. Because I think when people have like the the definition or the words Mm -hmm. to something they have experienced it's almost like wow that makes so much sense i'm not alone in this yeah and even in my own experience i feel like this has shown up um throughout uh my sessions with my clients this week honestly and as i was reading some of this information to my clients i was also having a a moment of self-reflection and noticing huh i've also experienced some of this Mm -hmm. and kind of putting these words to it and as Alveli was saying, just having the definitions, the terms brings that awareness to maybe those experiences that you may have had. And they might be something that has been experienced throughout your life, especially, you know, as myself, my mom, hearing her experiences as a child and having to take care as the oldest of all of her siblings mm-hmm. and seeing how sometimes it shows up culturally yes. for many different people that as the eldest, that is your responsibility to take care of of yourself, of your younger siblings. So parentification is all about a child being the resp- being responsible to taking care of themselves and others within the family system. Now, we want to explore how does this impact people? And we also want to point out that there's also some good that comes from it. Mm-hmm. We will discuss that as we go over uh, the signs that we have come up with. This is a theme, I think, that is normalized 
yeah in our culture right yeah (laughs) and so for some people it's like well you know that's just what was expected of me Mm -hmm. and what they don't realize is that it had some sort of impact in their lives and in their identity formation so we're gonna start and with some of the signs that we have reflected on in our own personal experiences Mm -hmm. but also in the people that we work with some of the same themes that keep showing up and one of those include just that that sense of responsibility uh either being as a young child or young adult and being praised by people in your family whether that be your tias your tios saying oh que responsable eres you're Mm -hmm. so responsible and that's that, right? That's that role that we kind of, that's part of what we have to do. We have to be responsible in taking care of other actions. So that's something that we hear. And I heard that a lot too. Like, tu si eres responsable, you're so responsible. So that's one of the things that I noticed come up for me. And just that sense of that need or wanting to be responsible. I mm-hmm. was that, like, that's a characteristic that I would qualify myself in and 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 being responsible in mm-hmm. my decision makings and and making thoughtful decisions for myself as well and other things in my life right and so part of that is that if a child is labeled as the responsible one they're going to take that on mm-hmm. and this can negatively impact the child in that they don't know how to have fun yeah or they might be described as a very mature child i think i was one of those children that i was more mature for my age me too (laughs) right i look back i'm like i was so (laughs) they i I always heard that yeah and it's not always a good thing because sometimes it means that we were boring children oh my god because we were so responsible and Mm -hmm. so that also shows up in children or teenagers that have a hard time loosening up Mm -hmm. right and being children and teenagers they're always be they're always thinking of what other things they have to do what other things they have to take care of right yeah i remember uh, i'm the oldest out of like all my like my siblings and my cousins all my cousins are really much younger than me and i remember occasions where i would be with family and always feel awkward because (laughs) i always felt in the middle between I'm too young to be an adult, but I'm too old to be like <laughs> <Right>. a kid. <laughs> and I never felt comfortable in just playing with my cousin. So I would end up helping like, so if we were doing a barbecue, for instance, we'll just, I would help them set up mm-hmm. or cook the food because I Same. always felt awkward or like I would just sit by myself, which sounds so <laughs> sad, but it just felt very awkward for me because I never felt that I could fit in in either place. And I always then gravitated to her or I'm just going to help my tia, I'm just going to help my mom with just setting up the food or cooking or whatever the whatever the case may be. So I always found myself in this very weird role of, I don't, yo, like, y'all too young for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know how to play with you because I'm, I'm a teenager and you're not. Right. So it, it was definitely challenging uh, growing up, being in that weird in-between that you're a teenager, but you're also not. Right. Like a kid kid, but also not an adult. So it, sh- it creates all that confusion. Yeah, totally. And, and all this idea of where do I fit in, mm-hmm. which already as a teenager, we're already having issues with that. Like teenagers go through this phase of not knowing where they belong. And then this just 
adds to it. And the identification piece of identifying like who I am as a person, like right. as a teenager, you're developing a sense of self, you're developing a sense of who am I, where do I fit in the world? And it does get a little confusing when you're trying to figure that out in the context of where do I fit in this role of being a kid, but not really. And it just kind of adds another layer to it as well. Right. So then another sign of, this is not really a sign. This is just, I would say, one of the negative impacts of Mm -hmm. it is that parentified children have a hard time seeing their worth if it's not connected to doing for others yeah right so if it's if it's not connected to taking care of others it's almost like a transactional relationship Mm -hmm. they get used to that you give and my worth is based on what what i'm able what i can give you yeah right so that and then that can impact a person throughout their entire lives because if their sense of worth has been formed in this belief that they're only worthy if they're providing, if they're taking care of, if they're uh, giving to others, mm-hmm. then that's not creating a really good sense of worth for yourself. Yeah. Because then the focus then becomes on everyone else mm-hmm. and not necessarily on yourself. And I am a huge believer that you need to take care of yourself before you can care for others. And I say that through and through, and I try to hold, uphold that for myself. Because if I'm not 100%, there's no way I can be there 100% for somebody else mm-hmm. as well. And something else can come up in this is being that mediator and being in that role of separating arguments or being in the middle or having to choose. And this can look at, this can look about if there's two parents arguing, if there's separation, divorce, uh, it can show up with that. Or your siblings fighting and having to be in the middle of that and having to keep them both on one side and trying to bring them back together to talk about it. So sometimes even that mediator role, we kind of take on that responsibility of keeping the peace, mm-hmm. manteniendo la, la paz, because mm-hmm. <laughs> we don't want arguments, we don't want things to happen. Uh, or things to escalate to a place that we cannot control. Uh, so that kind of shows up in that way too. And that can be kind of good and bad, right? Because if you're in a situation that might be escalating between two people or you and someone else, you might take that role of de-escalating the situation mm-hmm. and trying to either calm yourself down or calm that that person down as well. Or if you're in the middle between two people, right? Being able to give that person that perspective of let's, you know, give each other some space and then let's come back together to talk about it once we've cooled off a bit. So it's a kind of like a good and bad kind of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so part of, part of that is as being the peacemaker, there's so many layers to that mm-hmm. because as the peacemaker, it's almost like feeling this tension whenever conflict arises. So feeling the tension to create peace, to calm people down. But what happens is that it can also lead to avoiding conflict. Mm-hmm. Instead of actually handling the conflict, the person may feel the need to avoid conflict because it feels uncomfortable. Conflict doesn't feel good for any of us. Mm-hmm. So as Diana was talking about the importance of telling people to take care of themselves before they can take care of anyone else, with parentified children, they tend to be really good at nurturing others. Mm -hmm. 
but they might struggle with nurturing themselves. Yeah. They might struggle with knowing what it is that they need and how they can give that to themselves. Because again, if their worth has been attached to what can I do for others, what can I give others, mm-hmm. then it will be really difficult for them to understand what they need because they weren't taught to check in with what they needed. Mm-hmm. And I think with work and self-awareness and self-reflection, you can definitely get to a point of starting to recognize what are the things that are important for you. So then you can tell yourself, actually, I need this right now. Like, it's just been a rough day and I need a bubble bath, right? Mm-hmm. Like having that opportunity to tell yourself that. So I think once we have that awareness for ourselves, it definitely creates an opportunity for us to be able to explore that a little bit better, especially if we've been in this caregiver role uh, for as a child. But if we can kind of turn that and flip that around onto us, like how do I take care of myself? It, it allows that, that opportunity for growth in that area specifically. Mm-hmm. So then another thing that can happen out of someone being a parentified child or teenager is that they might have a really hard time relying on others. They might prefer to do things for themselves. This can look as someone being praised for being independent, being an independent person or an independent worker and not really needing anything from anyone else. So while that can be good, it can also have some negative issues attached to it because it means that you don't know who to rely on. You think that everything has to fall on you. Mm -hmm. And so you have a hard time asking for help. So this topic of asking for help is a topic that shows up with so many of my clients. And it's also a topic that I struggled with. I always felt like I had to get everything done by myself, with myself, and almost like I used to praise myself for Mm -hmm. not needing anyone else. (laughs) It's like I did this by myself. Right. And yes, that's great. You know, I'm all for it. Let's be independent people. Like Mm -hmm. I'm all about that. And also we had to recognize when we need help. Yeah. And we had to learn how to be able to ask for help. Some people also feel that because they have been so self-reliant that they don't know how to ask for help or they're afraid that if they ask for help, They're afraid of the response that they're going to get because it might be that throughout their lives, they have always been the one offering help, Mm -hmm. right? Always doing the help. Right, so they don't know how to ask for help or what's going to be the outcome of that. Yeah, and we kind of talked about this too in our last episode about just the the collective and rising together and how important it is to be able to take that step back and recognize that I, I can't do it all alone. I Like I said, we're all for being independent, doing your own thing, but also realizing that you can't do it all and that there's nothing wrong in that. There's nothing wrong in telling yourself, I'm just not really strong at this particular thing, but I know someone who is and being able to get that support. Mm-hmm. So yes, it definitely is hard. And then as you as you think about it, you're if you've been in this caretaker role, you've been responsible, you've done all of this stuff and you think about, well, I was able to manage it. I figured it out. And those are that learned behavior. And then when you 
And then as an adult, you're thinking about, I've, I figured it out my whole entire childhood. I can do it on my own. And these are some of the things that we can start as, again, start to become aware and be cognizant of these things for ourselves. <laughs> so we are recording this episode together for the first time since March. We are in the same space and we are in my yoga space room and one of my cats wants to come in the room and is sticking his entire paw underneath the door i was cracking so, up <laughs> we're trying not to laugh but <laughs> um that's that yeah if you hear us laughing that's what it is yeah and another thing could be if, if, if you've experienced this uh being parentified could be that feeling underappreciated mm-hmm. uh, because right that's just that's the responsibility that has been placed on you that has been the expectation therefore anything over that or anything more than that really isn't taken into consideration so you know when you go above and beyond is expected because you're responsible because you're this caretaker mm-hmm. role and therefore not really taken into account that you're kind of doing more than what you really should be doing right right and just feeling you know when you do something or that sense of feeling proud doesn't necessarily come through sometimes because it can be difficult to to receive praise Mm -hmm. if you're just doing what has always been expected of you yeah right and we we've talked about that i don't know if we've talked about it in any of our podcast episodes but you and i and a few of our other co-workers we've talked about how hard it is for for Latinos, for Latinx people to take or to accept praise mm-hmm. because it wasn't something that was done. Yeah. I'm not going to generalize because yeah. it's not all households, but a lot of us grew up with not really getting praise. So we don't really know what to do when we receive praise because mm-hmm. it's almost like, well, I'm just doing what I'm expected to do. I'm right. This is what I'm supposed to do. Like, why are you, why are you praising me? And this has come up too in a lot of my, my sessions with my clients. And and even that, that sense of, you know, recently, I think, what, June, uh, all of the schools graduated. So all of my, many of my teenagers mm-hmm. were just like, oh, yeah, I graduated. Like, that's As expected. <laughs> and right. I was like, no, this is amazing. Like, yeah. let's celebrate this and and encouraging the parents to just make a big deal about this. And, and I can see the struggle that they were going through in saying this is a big deal because their expectation is I'm going off to college. That's a bigger deal than high school, Mm -hmm. which I get, right? But also you worked really, really hard to get to this point. You had to take your SATs, you had to take AP classes or whatever you took to get into the college that you wanted to. So you work your butt off to get to this point. And and seeing that, I was just like, no, let's celebrate this. And I wanted to celebrate it so much. Because it is a huge accomplishment for them. And though college might be in their horizon and in their future, I think it's still okay to celebrate the little things, even though you're expecting bigger things or expecting more of yourself. So receive the praise, which can be so difficult. And praise yourself. Yes. Be proud of yourself. I think um, we recently had our all-staff meeting and Alveli and I both shared some awesome news and and it was kind of we shared after like how weird it felt to celebrate <laughs> ourselves right I was shaking I was so nervous to share some of the 
the the good some of the wins in my life but yeah. but it's really hard to to praise to 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 receive praise when it's so something so new to to us so yeah, yeah and so then another characteristic can be that a parentified child turns into a compulsive caretaker as an adult this is related to their worth being attached to how they can take care of others mm-hmm. and so they might find themselves in different relationships and friendships and relationships with their significant others where they just have this need to be needed mm-hmm. and to take care and to be the caregiver and because it's such a deeply ingrained part of their identity but again, it doesn't leave room for themselves. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that can also look look like relationships where you feel the need to... Right? There's nothing wrong in, in helping. Right. But the need of having to change the person or, or help them through something when that person isn't making the steps or taking the necessary steps to help themselves. Mm-hmm. So constantly being in this need of like wanting to help other people who don't want to help themselves and how draining that could be when you are doing more work than the other person is or that you're putting more effort into whatever it is that that person wants or that you may want for that person and constantly being in this space of giving, giving, giving and never really giving yourself the opportunity to grow. Mm-hmm. or feeling like it is your job mm-hmm. to save this person yeah, right yeah. and and it is your responsibility to make sure that this person changes or to solve whatever it is this person is going through and again what this does is that it keeps all of the attention and all of the caretaking and nurturing outside of you yeah so then it doesn't really leave room for you to take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong in being wanting to help other people. Yes. But when it's at the cost I mean, it's of why we became exactly. <laughs> but when it's at the cost of yourself and how you take care and nurture yourself, that's when some of these issues come into play because you're constantly projecting that care and that nurturing to other people that may not be ready for it or may not even want the help right. for you and from you. So when it's always projected and put it out out to other people, like Alvali was saying, there's no room for yourself. There's no room to tell yourself or to even ask yourself, what do I need in this moment? So yes, we're all about helping others. Again, we came into this field to become mm-hmm. therapists for that reason. But we're also all about having boundaries with yes. people. Yeah. So that's a huge part of it. And that's something that can be learned. I didn't know how to... I didn't have boundaries for most of my life. So it's something that we can learn as we become aware of it. Yeah. And part of that goes into just the creating part of that codependency within the family. So with codependency, it's not just all about depending on each other for physical needs it's also emotional needs Mm -hmm. so in some family systems there is a lot of emotional codependency where let's say like if like you and i Mm -hmm. if you were sad if we were codependent and you were sad it's almost like i would take on that emotion yeah as if it's also my emotion 
So then that's part of what happens when a person is parentified. They don't know how to separate themselves from their family because their entire identity has been created Mm -hmm. on taking care of their family. And then it, it can lead to codependency. It can lead to communication issues. It can lead to so many things that will have a negative impact on the person's mental health. Another thing that can happen when there is parentification is that it can blur the line between what a parent is supposed to do and what a child or a teenager is supposed to do. So this will look very different. I have the example that I think about is children that like children of immigrants who have to translate for their parents because their parents have not learned how to speak English for whatever reason. That can look like a child being parentified and asked to translate in specific situations, like at the hospital, with their doctor, the school. with a lawyer, with the school. So you're putting a child, you're putting this responsibility on a child to translate and to translate terms that they might not really understand, like medical terms, or to translate to a parent if they're at school and there's no translator there. And we, we, you know, one of the things that happens is that there's not enough translators. A lot of these places, schools and hospitals, clinics, they don't really have a lot of translators mm-hmm. that can translate. And then they depend on the child. And they depend on the child. And so can you imagine being a child that has to translate to your, your parents that you're failing a class, right? <laughs> or or to translate something hard, like you have to translate to your parents that they have a medical condition. Mm-hmm. And so it's like this child is being given, given this responsibility and perhaps not having the time to process what they're learning mm-hmm. and having to then share that information with the parents. But then, so in that situation, the child is the adult. It's like involved in everything at that moment. Right. But then in other situations, like at home, the child or the teenager has to be the child or the teenager Mm -hmm. and listen to their parents, do as they are told. So it can be really confusing for a person that is parentified to figure out what their role is and and what their different roles are and when to have that role. Mm-hmm. So I've seen this with a lot of my teenage clients where they get upset at the fact that, okay, so I'm supposed to do this with my parents, but then at home they want to enforce all these rules mm-hmm. on me. So it's like all of it's like a blurring of the of the responsibilities. Yeah. So yeah, that has also a negative impact on the person. Yeah, and I've also seen that show up too in just like sibling relationships and yes. and also as Arveli was saying, like if you want to go hang out with your friend but then you, you, you're home and you have to take care of your younger sibling and trying to figure that out for yourself and sometimes I've seen this come up as far as some of my clients uh, even struggling or, or trying to figure out like how to become a sibling or how, what is mm-hmm. that? Like how do I like how do I have this relationship with my my younger brother, my younger sister, when I've been in this caretaker role? And then sometimes wanting to separate from that, but also being so hard because your parents might depend on you for various reasons. And again, it's not about shaming parents, but just understanding the dynamics that may be occurring, that may have occurred as a child for you, that some of these things may have come up in different ways. 
Right. And so all of everything that we have discussed right now, it's all very layered. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of factors that go into it. And it's going to look different in every family, right? So I think a lot about the birth order yeah. in which people are born into, the difference in age. Like some children might be 10 years older than the youngest child. And so not being able to know how can I be a sibling mm-hmm. versus this child's caregiver, like a second mom or a yeah. second dad. And all the ways in which that impacts not just the parentified child, but all of the children in the family system. Yes. Okay, so is there anything else that you want to add to this? I feel like this conversation could be so much longer. Definitely. Because there's so much there's that we so can There's so many layers add. to this. Yeah. And I, I mean, I think what I, what I want to just highlight again is the fact that none of this is to judge, bring judgment to make any parent feel bad or even for yourself to, if you've experienced these, to blame your parents or anything like that. Again, all of these are, can show up in so many different ways in your life. Uh, if if you're first generation and your parents are immigrants to this country, how that shows up. Mm-hmm. If your if your parents are experiencing substance use uh, issues, if they're experiencing mental health issues, how this can show up too. So it's just it, all of this is to say that the context of being par- parentified or parentification shows up in so many different ways. So it, it again, it's not to blame or to shame anyone, but it's just to shed light that these are the different contexts and things that can show up for you and the different ways that it could affect you negatively or positively as well. Mm-hmm. And even if you are a parent right now and as you're listening to this, you realize that you are parentifying one of your children, this is also not to shame you. Mm-hmm. This is to bring awareness and then for you to figure out what you're going to do with the information. Mm-hmm. Everything that Diana and I talk about, we talk about it with love and compassion and understanding. Mm-hmm. And this is why part of what we focus a lot on is giving information and reminding people that this is not to shame. This is not to criticize what parents have done. This is just to shine a light on it and then do the inner work to resolve that right Mm -hmm. and it's okay if you do feel angry like once you learn all these things and you learn about different family dynamics it's okay to feel angry it's okay to feel sad it's okay to feel whatever comes up feel that Mm -hmm. express that right express it in whatever way helps you and then figure out what am i going to do to work on this to heal this yeah So we do have a couple of questions um, regarding parentification. And these questions is just for self-reflection, just for you to think about them and maybe write them down and see what comes up for you. Now that you have gained some information on parentification, has this been part of your experience? Question two, in what ways were you parentified as a child? Question three, which of these signs or characteristics most resonates with your experience? And question four, how has being parentified impacted you as an adult? 
So we discussed many ways in which parentification affects the child, the teenager, and the adult, mm-hmm. and how that shows up in our identities and our beliefs about ourselves. So just exploring what it's like for you. Yeah. Right? And, you know, like going back to that, just having that self-awareness, it's one of the first steps. And then you choose what you, what you want to do with that awareness. You know, you can take action and, and heal these parts of your story or just have that moment of self-reflection and make that choice on your own whenever you feel ready to uh, confront these or explore these a little bit further as well. Yes, this is this is good information. And I think that having this information can be very helpful. Mm-hmm. Have self-compassion for yourself as you explore these questions and have compassion for your family. Because in most cases, most parents are trying to do the best that they can. And I say most cases because I think there are situations where parents are extremely abusive. Yeah. But in most cases, and I'm particularly thinking about parents that are immigrants and have to work a lot. To multiple jobs, sometimes right. two, three jobs and are single parents and they have to care. Mm-hmm. They're the only they're the only person that can provide for the family. So they're doing the best that they can, yeah. just yeah. like you're doing the best that you can. Yep. Muchas gracias for listening to our podcast. We are so happy you chose to listen today. For more conversations and connections, please follow us at therapytalks.clp. Please subscribe and share. Again, follow us on Instagram at therapytalks.clp. Thank you. Goodbye. Thank you.